All right, you want to play a game? Yeah. Or some of these M&Ms? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right, so we'll do them one at a time, but let's see. So I've got a, a coin, and I'm going to flip it. So, all right, so I'll do this coin toss, and we'll do it. So heads, I win. Tails, you lose. Okay? Ready? Does that sound fair? I guess so. What's going to be my winning number or winning thing? Do you want it to be? Do you want it to be heads or tails? Uh, tails. Okay, so for me, so tails I win and heads you lose. Ready? Wait, that hey. <laughs> what? Head, heads you win and tails. Wait, tails you win and heads I lose. Yeah, that why just not? means you're gonna win. <laughs> Uh, or we'll do heads I win and tails you lose, okay? Wait a second. Either way, it means you win. What's wrong with that? Because you can't win always. <laughs> Maybe yours is heads I win and tails I win, and then yours is if it lands on its edge and you can win. That's not possible. <laughs> Might be. And we'll just do it. It'll, it'll be heads I win, tails you lose. Sound good? Huh? Huh? Heads you win, tails I lose. Yeah. Does it sound good? I cannot understand it. Why can't you understand it? Because if you win, if you get heads and I lose if I get tails, I should win if I get a, a tails and you should win if you get a Heads. Oh, that sounds more fair, doesn't it? Okay. Heads I win, and tails you lose. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> hey! You took my coin! So, a couple of years ago, my wife, Laura, challenged me with a question. What kind of puzzle would children find the correct answer to more often than adults? It's an interesting thought. I mean, sure, maybe if the challenge was how much surface area in an average dining room can you coat with a thin, sticky layer of jelly, then kids would have the answer immediately. But that's not really a puzzle, that's just something they do every lunchtime. So in this episode, we'll explore that question a little further, We'll try a few questions out on some real live kids and set a couple of other puzzles that kids are bound to be hopeless at. I'm Brian Hobbs, and this is Braindrop. First, solutions to the puzzles from last episode. Solution one. (laughs) Rhyme climb time. The challenge was to see if you could come up with one-syllable rhyming words that start with every consonant from B to M, and bonus if you could go further. So here's one set that I had come up with. It's block, clock, dock, flock, gawk, that's the trickiest one, G-A-W-K, hawk, jock, knock, K-N-O-C-K, lock, and mock. It kind of ends there. Uh, Here's another good one, though, sent in by Josh from Vermont. Uh, He had been trying to come up with some. And then when he was out shopping, he saw someone wearing a T-shirt that read, There's a reason why beer rhymes with cheer. And that reason, apparently, was to give him the answer to this puzzle. 
So here it is. Beer, cheer, deer, fear, gear, hear, jeer. And this is the trickiest one here. <laughs> I said here. Uh, Kier, K-I-E-R. And that is like a basin used for, I think, staining clothes or something like that. When you go to Collins Dictionary, I think it's Collins, or one of the online dictionaries, they'll give you kind of an, a rundown of how often it's used. And so it was used, you know, really in the early 20th century, it was it was kind of up there. And then it drops off completely in the last, you know, 10 years. It's just like nowhere. So it's pretty obscure. And he did have to look it up, but it's still good. So we'll, we'll go ahead and use that. Kier, K-I-E-R, and then Lear, L-E-E-R, Mere, M-E-R-E, Near, Peer, Queer, Rear, Seer, Tear, Veer, Weir, that's W-E-I-R, and there's nothing for X. And then I guess you could do Year for Y and nothing for Z. So that's a good one as well. Just had that one word that was slightly on the uh, Scrabble dictionary end of things. Solution two. Dog days of summer. So in this one, I had a six letter word that represents one of my least favorite things to do in summer. And to help you find that word, I had uh, six dogs. And what you needed to do was size them up, weigh your options, order them in a particular way, and extract letters from somewhere within the breeds of those dogs. The dogs were Scottish Terrier, Bernese Mountain Dog, Shih Tzu, Chihuahua, Rhodesian Ridgeback, and Sharpay. So you were supposed to arrange them in order of average weight. So the smallest is Chihuahua, then Shih Tzu, then Scottish Terrier, then Sharpay, then Rhodesian Ridgeback, and finally the big old Bernese Mountain Dog. Once you had this order, you can extract one letter from each dog um, by uh, taking the first letter of the first one on the list, and then the second letter of the second dog on the list, etc. So the first was Chihuahua, so you take the first letter, C, the second letter of the second on the list, uh, Shih Tzu, so that letter is H, so you got C-H, and so on. Anyway, you, so it gets you C-H-O-R-E-S. So one of my least favorite things to do is chores. Sean from Cincinnati was the first to solve this one, as did Emily Hobbs from Texas. No relation, except that she's my sister. Solution three. The way we roll. So imagine a die that can roll across a grid of squares. Each time it moves from one square to an adjacent square, it rolls 90 degrees in that direction. If you've got a single grid square, uh, only one number can face up because there's nowhere for it to roll. So if you add another grid square next to it, uh, now two numbers can face up because the die can roll back and forth from one grid square to the other. Add a third grid square on a different axis, so now it forms an L shape. How many numbers face up now it's three as it rolls kind of up and down and back and forth you add a fourth square so well here's the puzzle part one was add a fourth square such that now you have a two by two grid as the dice rolls around on this grid 
how many numbers can face up. Uh, so we'll start there. The answer to part one is, again, three. As it rolls around a two-by-two two grid, it cycles through only three numbers. Uh, so you could um, set it up, for example, so that only one, two, and three show up as you go around in a, in a circle. Part two was add one more grid square anywhere so that it connects to the other four, so just somewhere along the outside there. Now how many numbers can you get? And the answer now is six, all six. So each time you rotate in a circle uh, around that two by two and then onto the fifth square, you can get one of the three remaining numbers. So with our previous scenario, there were only one, two, and three were showing up on the first four squares, but four, five, and six can show up on that fifth square every time you kind of make a circle. Had a few correct answers to this one, although some listeners at first guessed four numbers for part two, not six, not realizing that you could keep going around the little merry-go-round and jumping off as a different number each time. So back to the puzzles that kids can do that adults can't do quite as well. First, there have to be some ground rules. Like one is that it can't be something that kids would know because it's just part of something in recent kid culture. Like, for example, how do you get to the Ender Dragon in Minecraft? You get these eyeball things, and then you throw them, and then they'll show you a direction. Second rule, it can't just be a puzzle based on something that kids would have recently learned at school, and adults would have long since forgotten. Like, if you were falling from a plane, which cloud would you fall through first? A Cirrostratus or an Altocumulus? There was that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader?, which was basically a show that played on these kinds of questions. So it's really more of a trivia question, and the first two rules are similar. They can't just be based on some fact that a kid would know or remember. It has to be based more on how kids think, not what specific knowledge they have. But on the flip side, ground rule three, the answer to the puzzle can't basically just be arbitrary so that a kid is more likely to say it. So if the riddle was, what is black and white and red all over? Maybe one adult would say, a newspaper. And a different kind of adult would say, a scarlet king snake. And a kid might say, a penguin with a sunburn. So all three answers are possible, so I can't just say, yeah, it's the penguin one. See? Kids are smarter. So there are actually a couple of puzzles that have made their rounds on the internet that both claim to be more solvable by kids than adults. So we'll look at both of those this episode, but first... Let's get to a puzzle about the incredible skills of children. Puzzle one. Yay! <laughs> String theory. I was a very proud father when I taught my young son how to tie a knot. But the unfortunate side effect is that we are now constantly finding knots in everything in the house. My phone charger, the laundry, the curtains, my toothbrush. Just this morning, I discovered my shoelaces were tied together so hopelessly, I had to cut them apart like Alexander and the Gordian knot. The good news is that I just so happen to have 13 identical pairs of shoelaces, so 26 shoestrings in total, tangled together in a mass in my bottom drawer. The bad news is that my son seems to have gotten to them first. He has randomly tied together all 52 loose ends of the shoelaces one to another. 
When I pulled them out of my drawer and spent about an hour untangling that mass, I was amazed and impressed to find out that he had inadvertently tied them all together into one long, continuous loop. What are the odds of that, I wondered. Indeed, which of the following comparisons is the best approximation of the odds of that impressive feat? A. Rolling a four on a six-sided die, one out of six. B. Drawing an ace of spades out of a deck of cards, one out of fifty-two. C. Sharing a birthday with someone else, one out of three hundred sixty-five. D. Being born on leap day, which is one out of one thousand four hundred sixty-one or E, a monkey at a keyboard randomly typing the word ham. One out of 17,576. And when they're just going like this and right at your face and just doing nothing, that's when you drop down. National Geographic has a show called Brain Games, and on one episode they featured a puzzle that they say that 80% of children under the age of 10 got correctly and many adults did not answer correctly, though I don't think they gave an exact percentage on that one. So I've got a link in the show notes that you can go to now if you'd like to see that puzzle, because it's based on an image. And I'm going to give away the answer in a couple of minutes, so if you'd like to give it a try first, you can pause it here and and go to that link. But basically, the image is a cartoon bus, uh, but the bus looks symmetrical, so it's unclear at first glance which side is the front, and which is the back. And the puzzle is which direction is the bus traveling. I tested it out on my own kids, but I have to admit they were at a distinct disadvantage with this puzzle. That way. (laughs) Which way is it traveling? Like, it's just a picture, but if it were- That way. Why, yeah, why? Because this way just had a grass and now it has like a pathway. (laughs) (laughs) and and difficult (laughs) yeah that's all right or difficult or difficult tricky and difficult tricky and difficult is difficult yes what is that from bluey (laughs) bluey (laughs) this way why that way (laughs) because there's that because there's what the arrow no, because there's words. Because there's words. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going both ways, really. Why is it? How's it they're symmetrical. Ah, it is symmetrical. But actually, I don't see any headlights, so no, there it's not driving anywhere. <laughs> That's a good reason, actually. There are no headlights. My kids don't know anything about school buses, and this requires you to know something about school buses. So the answer is that the bus is traveling left because in the picture you don't see a door. And so the door must be on the opposite side. And since, at least in America, the door's on the right side, then the bus must be traveling to the left. Opposite logic if you're from a country where you drive on the left. So why do kids, at least some of them, get this puzzle and not adults? Well, there are a couple of proposed reasons, and I'll propose one of my own as well. I'll also point out something I try to point out a lot these days, and that is that things often don't have single reasons. So, all of these reasons might be correct simultaneously. So, the most lofty and academic-sounding one is that, um, based on a couple of studies from a couple of universities in London, 
Kids make quicker judgments than adults, usually based on their first visual cue, while adults will take a bit more time to gather various evidence before coming to a conclusion. That sounds reasonable, um, and honestly, my kids also did that. One of them looked at the road and thought it looked more roady going to the right. Another saw the words and figured that the bus would drive towards the words, I guess. Uh, I also have a sense that both learning to read and playing or seeing your average 2D video game makes you automatically think left to right, which is also probably why my three out of four kids chose right. Reason two, which I imagine plays a lot into it, is that kids, at least the ones that National Geographic asked, are more recently familiar with school buses. Their minds will have a clearer picture of school buses that they can compare and contrast against this uh, school bus. So because of this reason, I think this puzzle might fall a bit uh, afoul of my first and second ground rules. So it's based on some information that kids will have obtained more recently or at least more frequently than adults. And the third reason that I might propose uh, is that kids have a better suspension of disbelief than adults because it's a cartoon bus. It's not really shaped like the vast majority of school buses in the U.S. Um, it's lacking detail. As my nine-year-old wisely pointed out, there are no headlights or rear-view mirrors or that folding stop sign. All of those would have been cues to tell us which way it was going, but at this point, without those, not to mention the entirely opaque windows, I don't think this bus should be driving at all. So it's a pretty good puzzle, but it's still kind of based on facts that would more readily come to mind for children. The next puzzle, though, seems entirely based on how kids think, and not what information they might have more readily available. But before we get there, I've got another puzzle to share. Puzzle 2 The little things in life. You want to know what my favorite word is? Your favorite word? Uh, sure. Guess. Um, artichoke. No. Bicentennial. Nope. Okay, well, there are 170,000 words in the English language, so we might be here a while. I'll give you a hint. It's got five letters. Hmm, five letters, okay, that narrows it down to only 9,000 words. Well, that's all you're getting. I was going to tell you what the first letter was, but then you'd know what the second letter was. Oh, well, we couldn't have that now, could we? Actually, it's a really good word. Because even if I told you all the letters except the last letter, you still wouldn't know exactly what word it was. Hmm. Well, what about if I knew all the letters except the fourth letter? Nope. You still wouldn't know. Okay. Well, how about all the letters except the third letter? Still no. See, I told you it was a good word. You're never gonna guess it. 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 But if you were to guess it, what would the answer be? And then you'll dig, and then you'll find an underground stone place, and that's... And then you can look around and try and find the, um, like a 
these little things around. And okay, next children's puzzle, available to look at through another link in the show notes, is one that got passed around on the internet a lot a few years ago, and it might have appeared in a puzzle book by Alex Bellos. I'm not sure where he originally found it. But it's a series of equations, or something like it, but they don't immediately look very mathematically correct. Uh, the first few are 8809 equals 6, 7111 equals 0, 2172 equals 0, 6666 equals 4. And there are quite a few more, but the last one says 2581 equals what? Equals question mark. Uh, the puzzle is often presented with this little bit of information. This problem can be solved by preschool children in 5 to 10 minutes, programmers in an hour, and people with higher education. Well, check it yourself, or something to that effect. So, now I've got five kids. One is a year and a half, so I didn't ask him. The next youngest is in kindergarten, so I don't have any preschoolers, but I did ask my kids all the same. Mm, I have no idea. Patterns, maybe? But these seem weird. Can you imagine what it would be? No. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Am I supposed to do this? I don't know how either. I didn't get it. It took me a long time, but I'm an adult, so I was just testing to see whether it's true what the internet says, that kids can get this more than adults. I mean, any kind of ideas? I was thinking maybe I could add up all these, add up all of these, and then see what I get. And then I'll pull these and see if I can try and get the same answer as this. Mm. Also, um, these numbers are zeros. Like, there's just a zero. Yeah, it means add nothing. Yeah. It would mean add nothing. Well, so what is this? Yeah, but I'm going to try my idea. Sounds good. Nope, not gonna work. <laughs> Too much on this side. 43? Mmm, why 43? Because 2 plus 10, that would equal 30, and but then that that has makes 13, and then uh, and then there's 3. <laughs> there's 3 and 10, and so it'd be 43. Wow. Nobody got it. I didn't give them a full 10 minutes, but they were either clueless or they had a complex, intelligent-sounding answer, like my kindergartner, even though I didn't understand any of it. Uh, I'm not saying that my kids are perfectly representative of kids in general, obviously, but seeing them struggle with it made me dubious about these claims of preschoolers solving it. I mean, this is the internet and social media, so maybe I should have been dubious anyway. But I don't see any real indication that there's an actual study or anything done on this. And actually, this puzzle isn't nearly hard enough to take programmers a whole hour, I'm sure, unless they're limiting themselves to solving it by writing a program, I guess. So the answer to the puzzle is that it involves counting the uh, holes, quote-unquote, in the number itself. So 8, you just look at an 8 in your mind, it has two holes, 6 and 9 both have one hole, as does 0. It's just a hole. And none of the others have holes. Uh, 4 might, depending on the font, but the puzzle noticeably avoids the number 4. 
So for each four-digit number, you're just counting the number of holes present in that number. So 2581 equals 2 because there's an 8 in there. Now, once I explained the basic reasoning, it was definitely simple enough that all of my kids were able to get the right answer. And it sort of sounds like something maybe a kid would notice or think about, especially as they're learning to write their numbers. But I doubt that the way the puzzle is constructed would favor kids. I mean, do preschoolers know about equations? And what would make them view the left side differently than the right side? Like treating the left side topologically and the right side numerically. Yeah, I'm thinking that social media nonsense strikes again. But let's go ahead and get to our third puzzle. Puzzle three. game pieces. This is the lateral thinking puzzle for this episode that I uh, planned to record my kids trying to solve, so we'll see how that goes. I had hoped to record it ahead of time to make sure they would actually get it, but we'll just have to see. It's a surprise for all of us, but uh, here it is. A boy goes into a video game store, asks for a new Nintendo Switch, and places two broken pieces of an action figure on the counter. Why does he do this? That's the puzzle. I don't know where his parents are in the puzzle. Don't worry about it. Pretend it's all safe and everything, like he lives in Mayberry in the 1950s, and this is the corner store where they sell Nintendo Switches. Uh, But again, here it is. A boy goes into a video game store, asks for a new Nintendo Switch, and places two broken pieces of an action figure on the counter. Why does he do this? And then he'll, like, put those eye things in them, And then the lava will turn to, like, stuff to fall down. So we don't yet know of a puzzle that's exactly like what we set out to find. But we'll try to explore it a little bit further in the next episode, which will be in two weeks. But next week, I'll have some bonus lateral thinking puzzle content for you. So that is it for this week. You can go to the website braindroppodcast.com to get a refresher on this week's puzzles. You can send in your answers, share a favorite puzzle, or let me know how the children or adults in your life fared with these puzzles by sending an email to puzzles at braindroppodcast.com. Thanks to Peter Varga for suggesting the heads I win, tails you lose concept at the beginning of the episode. Please consider rating the podcast, giving stars to my children, one for each child, preferably. All right, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Brian Hobbs. And when you fall down through it, you go to the Underworld, and then the Ender Dragon's just hanging out.